The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, welcome back to the channel, everyone. Thank you so much for your support so far for all that we're doing at Trackster. I've got a very exciting episode this week, and I'm sitting in the lovely home, by the way. The lovely house of Charlotte Perdue. Where, where are we right now? What area? Would you call it Bracknell? Yeah, like in between Bracknell and Ascot. Like, like in between. Brascot. Brascot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, very lovely house. Thank you for having me. Um, I've already had the guided tour from Clarkey and I've seen all of the uh, all of the good and bad bits. But <laughs> what I really want to call out of the camera are these coasters. Lovely. I'm not going to show the logo because of, of who I work for. Oh, but, I can show the logo. Yeah, you can show the logo. But coasters. these coasters are... Did Clarky make these? Yeah, he made them. Uh... <laughs> That's what we'll say. That's what we'll say. But um, now, thanks for having us in your home, Charlotte. I'll see you. Really appreciate it. And I'm really excited to talk to you today because me and you, we go way back. Me and you, Clarky, we've been knowing each other for a fair few years now. Um, obviously, I know you as a friend, but I also know you as an athlete as well. And there's so much, you, so much that you've achieved over the years that we can talk about. But it's just nice to just have a catch up. Yeah. Over a cup. Yeah, sorry we couldn't go for lunch. No, it's all right, it's all right. It was a bit of a rush. No, it's all good, it's all good. Yeah, you're telling me what, off camera, tell, for, the, for the viewers and the listeners, what is it you've done so far, what you've been up to today? Uh, yeah, today just um, tempo this morning in the park, Bushy Park, um, then drove back. Um, well, I actually had physio up there as well, straight after the session. So yeah. I actually did session straight to physio and then drove back, so that's why didn't have time for lunch. Stand, standard day in the life. Yeah, exactly. Day in the life. And then, yeah, just another run later. Go to the gym. That's it. That's it. That's the elite lifestyle. Yeah. And what is what is new with you, Charlotte? Because um, for, you know, fans of the sport, if you like, obviously last time out we saw you in Eugene, Oregon, which didn't work out. No. And then prior to that, Boston, which did go really well. Yeah. Um, but uh, with London that's just been, yeah. uh, obviously I would normally expect you to be there yeah. uh, on the start line as, as the leading, leading Brit, but what's new with you, where are you at with your running at the moment? Yeah, so obviously when I came back from Australia I told you, remember we did a session, well you were warming, I was doing a session, my first one back. Well I was more racing off. it, I was, I was trying to keep up, I was, <laughs> I was dying on your tempo, but well, yeah I do yeah. the I remember the one, Clarky did it with us. Yeah, yeah and Josh Clarkie was there, did. and I told you that I probably wasn't going to run London, yeah, and you were like that. why, and I said well I just missed a big block of training, I just had inconsistent training, Yeah. Um, was what I would call it, just on and off in Australia, I just didn't feel ready to go into London and put a performance in that I would have wanted to put in. Yeah. Um, I could have gone there and run round, but mm-hmm. that's not what I want to do. No, so I just decided to pull out and yeah. So since then I've just been building back up to yeah. normal training, normal I would training. say. Yeah. Um, so okay. pretty good now. Just uh, last uh, 10 days ago I had like a virus. I don't know what it was. Like, it wasn't COVID, but I thought it was again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that wiped me out a bit. So I just had to easy run for a week. Um, but yeah. Back into getting back into things. Yeah, again, I just feel like you know one thing after another. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I oh, like. I had like the injuries at the start of the year, like niggles on and off, and then got sick just as I was getting back into shape again. Um, but like today went well, so good. I'm not unfit. I just got to get a good block of training now before I can race. You've so. you've been around the block. Exactly. You, you know, you, I just feel like you know. You know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And uh, so, 
I don't know whether you've discussed this with your coach yet, but what is the what is the next goal? Do you have a yeah. race or? Yeah, so not a Pacific race yet. He just wants me to get tra- get fit basically, yeah. and then we'll find a race. But basically, the plan's going to be do little races in the summer, yeah. and then I'll do an autumn marathon. Not um, worlds. No, not worlds. I okay. can't qualify oh, okay. um, because I haven't run within the selection oh, time. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, but yeah, to be honest, I kind of want to like run a good fast one. Yeah. Um, well, I just need to run the qualifying time, basically, okay. um, for the Olympics to put myself in a chance yeah. of getting selected. And then whether I run another one later in the year again um, depends on how fast I run in the first one. And when you look, when you look at, and we'll chat about marathons later in the chat, but when you're looking at um, like finding a race and yeah. you say, oh, I want to find an autumn race, um, do you look, how, how do you find a race? Because normal people in the final race, they're like, they look at the entry fee <laughs> and how easy it is to get there and if it's a quick course, but... Do you just look at course or is it location, conditions? Like what do you look for? Yeah, a bit of both. Mm-hmm. Course, um, what time of year it is. Yeah. Because obviously like I want to do a lead in with some races before. I don't just want to go straight into a marathon. So what races are before the race? And then obviously one if the race wants you in the race. Yeah. And then obviously Why wouldn't they? Well, I don't know. <laughs> if they uh like if I was going after money, for example, which one would pay the most? But obviously yeah. this year I'm not, I'm okay. not going after money. Fair. I'm going after like a good time, and I want to just run well. So it kind of takes that out of the equation, but that comes into it. Obviously, you've got to earn a living as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, that that kind of thing. Okay. Um, also, what the yeah quality of the race is, how far you have to travel, that kind of thing, because not ideal like traveling across the world to do a marathon. Yeah, if you don't fair enough. To. If yeah, there's one like down the road, which is decent. Yeah, i.e. London. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, I, t- I had that chat with Brett Robinson last <laughs> week, no, two weeks ago, just before London, and we were chatting about yeah the uh, implications of finding the right race and the right marathon, i.e. Yeah. yeah, prize money and where you can place in the race and how yeah. that lines up with your contract and things like that, and they're all things that are part and parcel of your elite lifestyle that I suppose you have to consider compared to a non-elite. But I want to go right back to the start. That's where we start all of our episodes. Um, where did sport start for you and how did that transition into athletics as you know it? Yeah, so I uh, started at school. I was um, like 11. Uh, I went to secondary school and yeah, my friends entered me into a cross-country race when I was, uh, I can't remember how it came about, but I basically just came back one day and they were like, you're doing the school cross-country. Cheers. And I was like, oh, great. Um, <laughs> so I did it. It was just against my year group. It was like top six went to represent the school. Okay. I think I came like fifth. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm representing the school. Went to this school race and my first coach, Mick, was there at the school race watching some runners that he coached. Um, and one of the runners that he coached was from my school. Um, and yeah, at the end he was talking to her and he was like, oh, how did you do? And I kind of told him, I think I was like 30 second out of like 45. Yeah. So it was like amazing. But yeah. he was like, I watched you, you look like you could be a good runner. Why didn't you come to training? And I was like, okay. So I went with my friend who was at my school, went to training and yeah, just liked it. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to go again. And then I started going like three times a week to the Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday sessions. Yeah. And then, ones. Yeah. And then after that, I like entered, did some races, like the little Hampshire leagues. Oh, um, this is so, I love how wholesome this is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I did the Hampshire Leagues and then I wasn't like winning the Hampshire Leagues at all. Yeah. I was like, honestly, not great. And Just then, getting basted. Yeah, all yeah. the short road relays, I think the first team that I was in was like the E team. So like... Amazing. Honestly, bad. But then I just worked my way through and yeah, I, I think it was the school races where I started seeing more improvement first. I think 
I did the district 600 meters and mm. I won the district 600. Now look here. Yeah, I know, I can't believe it, 600 meters. Okay, <laughs> terrible. Uh, so yeah, the districts, um, and then yeah, worked my way up, did English schools, and then um, I think it was under 15, I won the English schools, the National Cross, and Inter Counties. Like, I did the triple. You did the free P? Yeah. Did they give you like a little ring or no. anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they give you a badge. I, I think the only annoying thing of that was after I won English schools, which was the last one, you went to represent England in the cross country, and I got beat. Um, it was like my first time, well not my first time getting beat, but my first time that season yeah, getting beat yeah. and I was really annoyed about that. I came was second. It, was it another English athlete? Or? No, uh, Irish. Oh. I can't remember who it was. Um, I think I know. Really? I feel like when I was researching before this. Do you know? Because I didn't have to do much research for this, <laughs> obviously, but... I, feel I can like, my power of 10. I feel like her last name was Murray. Really? I don't know. Is but... Fanola Murray stick out? Honestly, Is that a name? I can't remember. But right, I we're going to fact check this because I think it's Fanola Murray and that might not even be an athlete but I feel like I saw <laughs> making up. no I feel like they're, they're I saw that really, name they're two really Irish names yeah, Fanola and Murray but I feel like <laughs> but I feel like I saw that name on your Wikipedia really and I feel like that would have been significant for a reason okay well I don't remember but I just remember being pissed that I got beat yeah, because yeah. I, all season I'd won everything and I thought yeah. you know everything was going really well and I can't remember but I got beat in this cross country but yeah, it's still pretty, pretty good year. So, um, you know, that's why I can already sense that even though those early years, going from getting BC in the Hampshire Leagues to like already, I hate losing. And that competitive yeah. nature <laughs> is already instilled in you. Yeah, I was annoyed. <laughs> and I've met hundreds of athletes over the years and you are very competitive. You hate losing. Um, I feel I like I'm telling you this. You already know, <laughs> like you already know. But that is great because... I love, I like, the, I like that attitude where it's, you said already on this, on this chat about uh, I'm not racing for money, like I'm racing to, I'm, I'm racing to run fast. Yeah. Um, and money is a subject that can, can, can really be a taboo in running, but especially in road running because there's more money there. Yeah. And that can sometimes pull you left, right and centre. But one thing I've always noticed from you, especially when we talk about marathons, is that you don't go there to just make up the numbers. Yeah. You know, you could you could have done on the marathon and earned loads of money doing it and paid bills, but ultimately you want to go somewhere fit and run well, which I think really speaks a lot about your character. But we're getting really too deep now. <laughs> we're getting all too lovey dummy. Um I want to just touch on our AFD. Uh you mentioned the yeah. uh, old shop farming district, the legendary Tuesday Thursday Sunday sessions. Uh we spoke to Jack Rowe recently on the pod and uh he obviously same club. Uh, we've all got friends that have run for the club. I've been to the sessions myself. Um Take me back to the time where, let's say, you're under 15, under 17. Yeah. I feel that that, when you was an under 17, like 16 years old, that was when AFD, especially on the women's side, was absolutely insane. Like one of the best groups in Europe. Yeah. Um, what was it like being in that environment where you've got, like, literally multiple GB athletes, some of them are sponsored, yeah. maybe alongside yourself as well. Yeah. Like a pro group at 15, 16 years old. What's that like? Yeah, looking back, it was, like, intense to see now. Yeah. But at the time, like, it was just fun. Like, honestly, we weren't really, like, we didn't really think about it. Um, yeah, it was like, obviously, my training partners were winning World Juniors. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, step one World Juniors when I was training with her. Yeah. Um, Emma Pallant was, like, third in the World Juniors. Was Emily Pigeon still around then? 
She was not training with Mick, I don't think, okay. at that time. That was a little right. bit later. Okay. But obviously, and then we went to the European Cross in 2008 and Great Britain finished one, two, three, four, five, six. Was that Portugal? No, that was Brussels. Right. So Steph won, I was second. Did you win in Portugal? I won in Portugal, that was a year later. That Because that's on the cross-country course that yeah. we all know and yeah. <laughs> love. And I've been back there since. Same. <laughs> and I've been there, uh, I went back on camp and it was all right. Yeah. And I remember finding out that in fact, I went with Clarky and he was yeah. like, oh, this is a Charlotte one. And yeah. I was like, what? This? Yeah, and I've been back since then. <laughs> Such shit. Now. I know. It's the the so grass bad. was really good when I won. It yeah, I remember I watched it back. It's yeah. amazing. Perfect grass. It's but like yeah. golf course. Yeah, it was terrible um, when I went back too. But Memories. But yeah, that was good. Um, so yeah, 2008, Great Britain finished 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 in the European cross country, which is like crazy. Which, which race? Under? Under 20. Under 20, right. Yeah, okay. women. And obviously um, from Aldershot, we had, I think, like four of that like, is six that were getting coached by Mick. Yeah, I know. Wow. Um, so that was impressive. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I just, um, so, that's, I just like, I've heard the stories about the competitiveness of the club and I've heard stories of some of the guys racing and training but <laughs> I can only imagine well, I know now like one of my um training partners Susan from Holland she told me obviously now that I trained with her that yeah. um all the Dutch athletes in the team they all thought we were like doping because oh, we came yeah. like one two three four five six they're like oh that's but you can kind of understand why they think that yeah true because you imagine, yeah it... but put it into actual practice can yeah. you actually imagine that exactly it's like <laughs> she thought it was just crazy imagine the scandal yeah that i know front page news I, like, yeah, I know brilliant love it definitely not so you mentioned there a couple of gb vests you've competed for great britain uh through the juniors and the seniors across so many different disciplines from the track cross country the road yeah um is there one and obviously we spoke about you winning european juniors cross is there one highlight where you've been wearing the tv gb kit that sticks out to you that that you that you really remember really well. What's yeah. the one, What's the highlight moment? I think uh, the highlight moment winning the European Cross was pretty good. Yeah, I remember before the race, I was like so nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, Mick sat me down and he was like, "If you don't win, it will be a disappointment." And obviously, no pressure, coach. Well, two years Jeez. before I came third. Okay. And then the year before that, I came. Uh, the year after that, I was second. Mm, and then okay. I missed the year because I was injured, and it was my last year as a junior. And he sat me down. And he was like, "This is your last year. You've come third. You've come second. You were injured last year. If you don't win, it's a disappointment." But the race was only four point eight k, and obviously I've always been fur- like I've always preferred further, right. the further distances. Okay. Um. So I was more worried about the distance more than like I thought I could win, but it's more just like, "Oh, sh- it's really short." Mm. Um, and I remember like my mum came to Portugal to watch and she couldn't watch because she was so nervous and we came out of the pen and I was like dead last because everyone's <laughs> sprinting. Sprinting. yeah <laughs> and it was quite hard to get around people yeah. and I just remember like literally working so hard and at the end we looked at my splits of the course and like my last lap split was faster than like all the senior women had Brilliant. run and like faster than a couple of my training partners in the under 23 men as well wow um because i literally just the first lap i was just like going for it trying to get like catch up time yeah um but yeah that i think that was like winning i was just more relieved yeah, <laughs> like oh my god i'm surprised <laughs> yeah i'll do that put you I'm, on a pedestal that's what i mean i was just like oh fuck because it would have been it would have been a disappointment if i didn't win yeah because obviously yeah. like i just worked my way and that season had gone so well i thought like you know i've got to win this so, when um i've asked um 
I, I spoke to Brett about this, and, and one thing that you and Brett do have in common is that you've been a professional athlete for bloody ages. <laughs> yeah. Like, you've been, you're 31, right? Yeah. That's not old in any, in any industry, but you've been a pro for bloody donkeys. Yeah. When was your first pro contract? How old have you been? 16. 16, which, yeah. like, you're a kid, let's be honest. Yeah, you're I still was a kid. kid. You're mom, still living at home. My mum and dad had to sign my first Nike contract as well yeah. because I was under 18, so right. it had to like, have, like, a counter signature, oh which is, God. like, crazy. What, um, <coughs> if you were to, like, compare, you know, your contract now with, with Adidas and you're now this really established athlete to the contract back in, when you were 16 <laughs> years old, not the specifics, but, like, did you, did you feel as much pressure then as you maybe do now? Or what, what headspace were you in when you were like, bloody hell, I'll just work up and I'm a pro athlete? I didn't think I was a pro athlete because I was still at school. <laughs> <laughs> I was still at college. So you're like, rocking your Nike kit in the playground. Yeah, all my friends would ask me to get them stuff and get like shoes. Yeah, honestly, um, I didn't feel like I was a pro athlete. It okay. was just like I was doing what I was doing and that was extra on top. I was just not having to pay for my clothes anymore. Mega. It wasn't like about the money. I wasn't thinking about that. It was yeah. cool to like have mo more money, but mm -hmm. it wasn't like, yeah, I didn't think about it at all. I think the only time I thought of myself as a pro athlete was after I finished uni and I didn't have to get a job. Yeah, that because, was realisation. Yeah, because up until then I was always going to go to university. I was never, there was never a thought in my head like I'm not going to go to university. I always wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously I went to St. Mary's and I could run, get coached by Mick at the time. Yeah. And it was just the same because I was already at St. This is a funny thing as well. At school, um, I was doing my GCSEs <laughs> and I would get to take Wednesday afternoon off because I would go up to St. Mary's and I would run in the altitude chamber and then I'd do drills and SNC with um, the group up there. But I, got to miss school so i had to how i just got permission from the head the headmistress to did like you, did you just school. walk in with your pro contract <laughs> well she already knew like all of like what i was doing like all the competitions and stuff and they were like really supportive obviously yeah and i told them like you know like wednesday afternoon i need to do this run like strength and conditioning i saw a physio yeah um i was getting british athletics funding at the time so it was like a big deal so i got to miss wednesday off school um, but like i was doing my gcses at the time okay. as well uh, and I went on training camp to Kenya, like literally in the March before my GCSEs in May. So you'd have been how old then? 16? 16, yeah. So you, yeah, you've not only been pro uh, in practical terms, you've lived, been living that lifestyle for, <laughs> for 15 years. Yeah. Wow. That's, it's a long time. That's a long time. Does <laughs> yeah. it, um, do you ever find it boring? You bored of the lifestyle? Not bored, no. I just get like frustrated when I get injuries obviously but that's just job. the same to everyone yeah, yeah I feel yeah. like it's just annoying because you think being doing it for that long like when you get an injury you're like, oh why is this happening yeah I think you yeah. put the things in place mm -hmm. to stop it from getting happening mm -hmm. but it still happens it's like no matter what you do well no matter what I do part I'm of still the job gonna, isn't it yeah but I kind of get frustrated still because I'm like oh if I get a niggle I'm like why why am I getting this niggle I'm doing the SNC that I've been told to do about like a million times yeah um, but it doesn't make a difference you're still going to get injured so i just kind of have to accept it um it's just yeah when you put in all the time and things mm. like but that's part of the sport i guess have you over the years of getting injuries uh throughout your juniors <laughs> and seniors etc and have you improved on how you deal with it uh yeah i still get just as annoyed um <laughs> but i think like i've pretty much had every single thing that could get thrown i've had surgery i've had bone breaks i've had yeah. 
like tendon injuries i've had everything mm-hmm. i've been sick yeah. i've got covid before like at a world champs i've literally had everything you can't harm me like I'm... literally nothing can happen okay, now fair. which i will not be a surprise or b will put me off like i'm obviously just gonna crack on yeah just come back <laughs> yeah yeah so you know um can't nothing more can go wrong um you know uh well you're not now but you've been part of melbourne track club for for how many years would that be now in fact don't tell me don't tell me. 2014. 2014, yeah. Let's yeah. go. Because I've done my research, Charlotte. <laughs> I wasn't even known for sure. Like, I yeah. feel like it was around 2014. Yeah, yeah so 2014, you um, left your club coach, moved over with Nick Badeau. Yeah. <clears throat> um, for those that don't know, Nick Badeau is, he now works for Athletics Australia, so he's a pretty big, big fish over there. But a legendary coach, she's coached athletes like, uh, you know, Craig Motter and Ryan Gregson, Collis Birmingham, Jen Gregson. We can yeah. go on and on and on. Lots. But you're one of the only, in fact, I'm going to go, is he, you're the only British athlete he coaches? Now, yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, you're right. Um, and he had a few before. He did, yes, you're right. How did that come about? Yeah, so uh, in 2010, I went to Commonwealth Games in Delhi. Mm-hmm. On the track? On the track, yeah. yeah. 10 and 5k. <sighs> uh, came, yeah, fourth in the 10k. And sixth in the 5k. Solid. Yeah, the 10k was first. I remember standing on the start line of the 5k and doing like a little jump. And I was like, oh no. Toes <laughs> my didn't leave the ground. Stuffed. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> my legs are so stuffed. But yeah, that was fun. Um, but in the race that uh, I did was Eloise Wellings, um, yeah, yeah. who's an Australian runner who ran for Australia there. And we became friends. We were chatting. And I wanted to like change my coaching setup because I just felt like. There's a time. Yeah, yeah, stuff wasn't going right in the group and mm-hmm. I was just needed to change my coaching style. Um, and I'd obviously seen Nick and the group based in Teddington because um, they would come over every year, the group would run around the track. I was obviously at St. Mary's. Yeah. Um, I would see them there. Andy Vernon as well was mm-hmm. also part of the group and Julia Bleasdale, um, both mm-hmm. British athletes that I knew well. Um, and yeah, so I was like, okay, I couldn't really think of like where I wanted to go. Did kind of think about going to America, but I couldn't go because I had been a professional athlete for so long. Um, Is that a thing? Yeah, if you've um, earned prize money, oh, you yeah. can't go on a scholarship. Um, oh, so, oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, American, sorry. Scholarship, um, NCAA. Yeah, right. I thought because I was just finishing university. It was like okay. my last year of university. Oh, you could have done like a master's. Yeah, sort of thing. I was thinking I could go over there for two years on yeah. like a, a scholarship, do a master's and like run for a team over there and yeah. then decide what I wanted to do. Um, but I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to go. And too much money. <laughs> too much money. Um, so that wasn't an option. And then there wasn't really any British coaches that I really wanted to go with. So the only um, options were like a foreign coach. Um, and yeah, so Nick at the track and I was like, I'm just going to email him. So I sent him an email and I remember... Didn't, didn't have, I didn't have the cojones to talk to him. Was, um, he, was, he, was he scared? I think he wasn't in the country at the time. Oh, it was okay. around like February time. Okay. Actually, I had a stress fracture at the time I emailed <laughs> And I was really nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to say no. He doesn't even know who I am. And yeah, he emailed back. I'd seen him at the Commonwealth Games as well, but obviously didn't speak to him. He was just there with Eloise in the courtroom. Um, and yeah, he emailed back saying that he would uh, <laughs> coach me. Um, and he was coming over to the UK in like May time. So we met up and then, yeah, took it from there. Obviously, I was recovering from a stress fracture when he started coaching me. Right. Easing into it. He saw my training. He was like, send me your training that you've been doing for like the last six months. I sent him the training and he was like, what? <laughs> he was like, I can't believe you haven't had 50 stress fractures. Is what, is, is that well, I probably have, Nick, but I just don't know. <laughs> I was like, well, I've had 10. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so we obviously stripped everything back and like 
started real basic. Um, it took me a while to get fit, I would mm-hmm. say, because I just started doing a lot less than what I was doing before. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I ran my first half marathon at the Great North Run. I can't remember what year, maybe end of 2015. Um, mm-hmm. And around 71.40. That was my nice. debut half. Um, that was coached by Nick, and I'd say that was like my first good result. And you, I suppose that really set the, the thing off in your brain that that's maybe where I'm suited, the roads. Yeah, he told me, he was like, I don't think you're suited to be a like 10K runner. He said, I think you should move to the marathon sooner rather than later. Okay. And I was like, okay. Because I think, like, I would do the 10K training with the girls, like Eloise. Um, she was obviously still doing 10K at the time. Um, and I was just, like, not... I couldn't really keep up on the faster stuff. Hanging on. I there. was always, like, really good on the thresholds. And he was like, why would we wait? Like, yeah. you might as well. Because I kept getting injured as well doing the faster sessions. So he was like, move up now. So that half marathon in Great North, what year would that have been? I think 2015. The year later you did London? Yeah, 2016. 232 debut? Yeah. Wow. And now I looked at the photos of that race and really? carbon weren't the thing in those Yeah, days. I know, no carbon cheese, they wore Lunar Racer. Lunar Racers? <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell. I know, I remember like, oh, 2.32 and yeah. What a shoe though. I mean, yeah. wow. I yeah. mean, that's, that, that shows, it's been right that long ago, but like so much has happened in the last seven years, isn't it? From yeah. A, from so an innovation much. perspective, but the sport itself, like I remember in those days, a sub 2.30 from a Brit was like, yeah. wow, it was like bloody a hell. Whereas yeah. now, it's like, that's yeah, right. It doesn't even it's qualify right. you it's for anything. It's an right debut. Yeah, You'd expect that. It literally wouldn't qualify you for anything. Yeah, Whereas back then, it was like, you were yeah, one of the best in like Europe. So, there's not a lot you haven't achieved in your career. You've run very fast over various distances from the track. You've won cross-country titles. You've run really fast in the marathon. You've been to World Championships, Commonwealth Games, Home World Champs, and run very fast in major marathons. But there's one thing that's eluded you so far, and that's the Olympics. Yep. 2012 London. I read about this, but what was your situation there? What were you training for then? Because obviously that was pre-marathon yeah. career. Yeah, so 2012 London, I was training for the 10K yeah. on the track. And I went to Stanford in May and I ran 32.03. And at the time they had an A standard and a B standard. I so this. the A standard was 31.45 right. and the B standard was 32.10. Yeah. Um, but the policy was if someone ran the A, then they can take obviously three people with the A, but if no one runs the A, yeah. they can take one person on the B instead. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that race in Stanford, Julia Bleasdale ran the A standard, oh, okay. 31.45, or faster she ran than 31.45, and I ran 32.03 or whatever. Um, so I had the B, she had the A. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Pavey also later on ran the A standard. Um, so those two with the A, me th- in third spot, but with the B, didn't have the A. I did Thank another you. like three 10Ks and I didn't get it. Um, and obviously, yeah, they can only take, they can't take a combination of an A right, or B okay. standard. They can only take either three A's or only one B, but no A's. So they obviously took the two A's. And no, isn't it? Yeah, no <laughs> B standard. So I was like, okay, I was third fastest, but I couldn't go yeah. because I didn't have the time. Okay. I only had the B standard, didn't count. Joe Pavey actually told me, she was like, oh, if Julia decides to run the 5K, 
and Joe had also qualified in the 5k she said to me I will pull out the 10k so that they select you on the B that's nice yeah I know that's I, so nice I couldn't that. believe her like telling me that I was like why would you do like what a lady just that's a nice person yeah. obviously I would never have expected her to do yeah. that yeah. and I wanted to only go on like merit anyway yeah. Yeah, totally but um, I still like appreciate that but anyway Julia still wanted to go for the 10k which is obviously fair enough yeah. <laughs> um, uh, off. yeah she ran really well as well oh, okay. so and obviously Mick coached her which is strange now to because I was still coached by Mick at the time oh, um, of course you would have been yeah yeah so that's quite weird but yes the, so I didn't go to the Olympics in 2012 um, Rio Rio again the same kind of thing so my first marathon um, so the two girls had the time from Berlin the year before um, yep. Ali Dixon and Sonia Samuels they ran the time in Berlin so at London Marathon, which was the official trial, they just had to come top three and they were automatic. Yeah. It was obviously my debut. So I had to run under um, 231 yeah. and finish in the top three to get selected. We started off the race and obviously I thought um, that I would try and run 231 to try and get the time. But the way the race was, it was like tactical, whereas they didn't need to run a time. No. So they were just trying to get round um, and it was slow. Like we went through halfway in, yeah, like, I think it was one fifteen thirty, so it was bang on two thirty one. But then after that, it just got like tactical. There was yeah. no pacemaker, so I just sat in um, and finished third. But I ran two thirty two, so I didn't get the time. Um, mm. So yeah, again, just missed. Very out. close like, there. Third fastest again, <laughs> but uh, literally just missed out. Um, and I did uh, appeal because I had the IWF time, which was two thirty five, I think. Yeah. Um, so I said, you know, no one else has got the time um, do you appeal to British athletics yeah yeah okay. I, I said um yeah I've got the, I, the world athletics time um but they obviously had set their own yeah. standard um which was 231 and they were like no we're obviously sticking with our standard we're not gonna so they just took two people and in Rio in them days did they uh did they do things like wildcard entries because I remember no. like Reve Walcott Nolan went to Tokyo yeah no they didn't do that on points that weren't a thing no no, no wildcard entry yeah it was very annoying okay so then Covid <laughs> And Olympics uh, was in Tokyo, yeah. 2020, but actually 2021. Yeah. Which is weird to think. Yeah, the, weird. Uh, 2020 games is not in 2020. <laughs> um, a bit of a bit of a sort of what would I call it saga um, nightmare situation that ensued around your Tokyo selection. Obviously, because of COVID, we were so restricted with races. Yeah. The marathon trial that year was in Kew Gardens. Yeah. Uh, hosted by Tom Bedford. Great mm-hmm. race. I was there myself. It was Brilliant. Um, talk us through that point in your career. You didn't race the trial and subsequently didn't go to the Tokyo Olympics, but talk us through what happened there. Yeah, so I had the time from London Marathon the year before, around 2.25.36. Big PB, wasn't it? Big PB, yeah. yeah. So I had the time for the Olympics. Um, and I was in Australia training, came back. Um, that was, yeah, the year before. Yeah. Um, in 2020, I raced half one half marathon in Marigami, got PB 68.23. Um, Cheers. But then didn't race the whole year because COVID. Yeah. And then I actually picked up a few, like, niggles. Um, got injured in, like, January time. Um, obviously, I knew the trials in March. Already had the time for the Was you trying for it? Yeah, I was right, training for it. Yeah. yeah. And I told British Athletics, you know, I've got this injury. I'm building back up. I could do the trials. But I don't think it's a great idea to come back straight from an injury with no races to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the time. What do you like? What What's your advice? And yeah. they told me um, not to race. Okay. They basically advised. Well, they didn't obviously tell me you can't race. They yeah. just advised me not to race. Right. Um, and they said the selection meetings like next week. Um, can you come up to Loughborough to have like a medical assessment? 
went up to Loughborough, did a tempo on the treadmill. Um, they saw me running, like did everything. Went all right, didn't it? Yeah, went all right. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, then I got a phone call like a week later on the day of the selection. They were like, we haven't selected you um, because of your injuries. Right. And I was like, what? <laughs> but I'm running. Yeah. I ran like 90 minutes today. Mm. Um, and yeah, they basically said it was on medical grounds that they hadn't selected me. And they selected um, someone else who was like a minute and a half slower than me. Yeah, I remember. Because that 225 was really quick at the time. At the time, yeah. Way minutes faster than anyone else had run. Yeah. Um, or there or thereabouts. <laughs> but as a, as a British Athletics funded athlete, you have to, um, there's certain things you have to adhere by, i.e. submit, you tell me, but submit, i.e. how training's going. To basically, so they know if, for example, you haven't raced, yeah. you have to be like, this is the shape I'm in or exactly. things like that. Yeah, so they obviously said, because it's a trial and you're not going to race, you have to like show what shape you're in. So yeah. Nick, my coach, sent an email with all the training that I'd done. And obviously Nick's like the most honest person ever. Yeah, he literally lie. told it like it was. <laughs> and I went up to Loughborough to do a medical assessment, which I know for a fact, because I was there, that like the other two that were selected um, also didn't run the trial. And they didn't obviously have a full medical like assessment like I had. Mm. Um, obviously the girl that won the trial... Um, very much deserved to go. Yeah. She won, ran great, like mm. got the time, like unreal. Um, but it was more around the fact that the other two were selected who also didn't run the trial. I would understand if like the three people that ran the trial, they selected top three, they had the time, fair play, I missed yeah. the trial. But it was more the fact that we all missed the trial and then they proceeded to select two other people that one was slower than me and like still got selected it was a shit Olympics so, anyway it was just <laughs> that's what everyone tells me but like it's still obviously Cut, yeah. I get it no I totally get it it was just a bit of a like the situation was just like not handled well I'd say it yeah. was just like not clear out of your ranks yeah it you was do, not you clear done, like, you, you done what you were told to do and exactly but looking back yeah hindsight what would you do differently <laughs> would you just race the trial I honestly don't know depends on your injuries I guess yeah, I was running at the time. It was kind of like this year, what happened with London Marathon. Like, I was running at the yeah. time. I could have raced the trial, but I don't know how it would have gone. Yeah, because you like, would I have run come... well. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then, literally. And then but, that creates other problems. But then I feel like if I'd gone to the trial and not run well and then not got selected, it would have been better because I would have felt like... Enclosure. Yeah, I would yeah. have not deserved to go. Whereas it was more the fact they told me, like, don't do it. Like, you're in a good spot. You know, you're second fastest on paper. Like... You're, you okay, should be yeah. okay. That was, yeah, so maybe I should have like gone to the trial and just done it and seen how it would have gone. Because if I'd have qualified outright, then it would have been no brainer, but whatever. It is, what, <laughs> it is what it is. Exactly. It turned out like good in the end. Like everything does happen for a reason. Because mm. like that London Marathon was like really good. <laughs> you went and put around 2.23, a new personal best, yeah. another fast London. Yeah. Um, and then you also went around Boston. Yeah, in 2022 in yeah. April and Last ran 225? 225, yeah. On a hilly course. Yeah. Um, I have watched, obviously, all your marathons as you've gone <laughs> through. Cause not just... That sounds really creepy. Um, <laughs> yeah, just student of the sport, you know. <laughs> yeah, but um, 223 and 225 in London was great. But I feel that, that... I remember saying on Twitter that the Boston was your best marathon. That was, for me, the best marathon because it's the course and... It was a hard course. The, the way you ran and the top 10 finish yeah. in the world-class marathon. It was a stacked field that year. Yeah. Um, since Boston, you've trained for Eugene Oregon Marathon. Yeah. We'll just talk about that in a second. But 
off the back of Austin, you must have been like, get me a fucking fast horse right now. <laughs> yeah, I was like pretty fit because obviously came off the 223 and didn't have any injuries, any mm. issues. Got back into training really quick. Um, and then, yeah, did Boston. It went really well. I actually paced um, Nagoya Marathon um, like a month before Boston. At, like started off at 220 pace and ran to 30k. And that good was session it. then. Yeah, good yeah. session. Um, I actually um, felt really good after that. So I was like, I think I'm going to run well in Boston. Yeah. And then just the momentum, like, yeah, ran well um, there. And then after Boston, I actually got flu, which was annoying. It was like the start of the illnesses last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to run Vitality 10K, which I wanted to do. So I pulled out that and then got back into training again. And then, yeah, started training for World Champs in Oregon. So what, wait, when, <coughs> what part of the year was World Champs? What, what, August. Like? August and... Or like last week of July. Okay. And um, I mean, I watched it and uh, Clarky was out there and I had updates on the course and it was weird. It was a weird race to watch. I remember watching it and the front pack, it went off so fast. So fast. So fast. I remember looking at it and was like, Charlotte, it's miles behind, yet you were still ahead of time. Yeah. So talk us through what happened on that day. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, weird, weird race. Mm. Um, training had gone well um, leading into it. I didn't really do... I did a couple of 10Ks, actually, leading into it. But then I went to Flagstaff, did altitude training, went there. Um, so flew straight from Flagstaff to Eugene, went there. Obviously, COVID was kind of, like, ending. Okay. So there wasn't really any restrictions. So all the athletes were, like, housed in the same block. Yeah. Um, and like the dining hall was just like free for all. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to be lucky to leave here. I'd never had COVID before. Right. I was like, I'm going to be lucky to leave here without COVID. My housemate in Flagstaff got COVID the week that we left as well. Um, obviously I did a pre-flying test and it came back negative. Mm-hmm. So I like, I think I swerved his COVID. Yeah. Um, but then flew. Um, and then anyway, uh, yeah, started off the race and I just didn't feel good. Like from the off, I just felt terrible. Like my, I couldn't breathe. I was just like, something is seriously wrong. I got to like 5k, took my first drink and I was like, maybe I'm just like easing into this. Yeah. But I just remember thinking like, I don't think I'm going to make 10k. Do you think like, it was the, 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 the air quality or the, the humidity or conditions? I think it was just like the start of COVID. Start of COVID. Yeah, yeah honestly. Because then I got to 10k and I was like okay, I'll try and make 15K. Got to 15K and I was, and Adam was on the side of the course and he was running alongside me. Of course he was. And he was like, what, what is wrong? And I was like, I can't breathe. All right, girl. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was like, Literally. running along. Um, so yeah, I just felt, I couldn't breathe basically. I was just like hyperventilating, just running terrible. Um, so I said like, I was running along saying to Adam, like, I don't want to drop out, but what should I do? And yeah. he was like, he was like, I can't tell you what to do, but calling it. it was my call. And I just, I didn't think I was going to make it, honestly. Like, I, that's how I felt. Like, I didn't think I could make it. I kept telling myself I'm going to feel better at the next 5K. Mm-hmm. But I was like, 15K in and feeling honestly terrible. So, yeah, I dropped out. And then, yeah, like two days later, got a positive COVID test. So it kind of made it, like, not okay. But, but felt a bit better. Again, a bit yeah, closure about it. a little bit of closure. Because I, I was it. like, oh, yeah. thank God I know something's wrong with me. And I'm not just like... So, um, tough day there in Eugene. Yeah. Uh, you had a tough day in Doha. I was there, oh, roadside yeah. with Adam. What an absolute <laughs> shit show that race was. Yeah, I wish it, I never went there. It was. I remember me and Adam were on the side of the course, and um, for anyone that didn't see the marathon, it was basically on a motorway, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was like a big loop. Went up to one roundabout, or yeah. one turn, and then up the other turn. And there was these massive floodlights, weren't there? Yeah. And it was in the middle of the night, and I... 
Midnight. Yeah, it was midnight. And I was wearing like swim shorts, flip flops and a vest. <laughs> and I actually said, to, I, I, I don't know if I can stay out here. It's really? so hot. And underneath one of the floodlights. <laughs> oh, that was the worst. The floodlights made the course hotter. Yeah, it yeah. was 40 degrees between flood height, yeah. floodlight. And I think it was 47 or 49 under the floodlights. So hot. And me and Adam just snuck off to a restaurant because it was <laughs> to get a drink. And it was we were like, can we just sit in here? Because it was out, the only place in aircon. But that race was carnage. Like we were seeing some horrible sights, like people passing out on the course and stuff. Um, yeah. And I know you had some some troubles there. Was it was your stomach and the heat? Just everything. Yeah. Just, the, just sh- was, shit show. Again, yeah. I wish I never went and did that. It's tough to block your year out for such is. a crap race to be a part. Of, and it's like. tough to like turn down a world champs as well. Um, when the option's like there to run the world champs, you obviously want to go and represent your country. But then in hindsight, I'm like, shouldn't have gone to Doha to run a marathon. Yeah, yeah. And in it's fact, like, if it wasn't world champs, like why? Yeah. If you even said to me, do you want to go to Doha to run a marathon? I'd be like, no. For um, anyone that's never been to Dakar at that time of the year, I mean, I'll give you a don't. Quick, yeah, maybe, maybe don't. But um, remember, we were going to walk. Our hotel was here, and no, like eight hundred, yeah, eight hundred meters away was a shopping mall. And Adam was like, "Should we get?" Uh, I said, "Should we get a taxi?" Adam was like, it's eight hundred meters. We will walk, and like hardest walk, yeah, hardest walk of exactly. my life. Eight hundred meters. Walked into the mall dripping. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna put a photo on the screen now that will pop on there. That is me in the hotel lobby of your hotel at three a.m. Oh yeah. Don't know why I was <laughs> up at that time, but I just remember just like being... that must have been after the race. Yeah, it was after the race. You yeah. must have been. I don't know what you were doing. I think I was um, getting my stuff. Getting all your stuff, but that was a peak time. Um, but it was actually a fun trip. It was a fun trip, a fun but, trip, but don't, uh, don't want to run a marathon. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't run a marathon. I nearly died on a run. Yeah, I yeah. Adam that. and me <laughs> went for a run, and um, I think it was like I think we went to do maybe an hour, and I stopped after twenty minutes, <laughs> and I said I can't run anymore. It was too hot, and then Adam lost me, and I, we were separated for hours. It was a scary time. It was. It was a, it was Do you remember that time as well? Adam got a taxi, and oh like he didn't God. return to the hotel. Took and we, like, you were took texting me, like, where's... nine hours yeah, to get across the traffic. Yeah, yeah I know. And I you was, were like, where's Adam? And I was like, I don't know, where is Adam? And you were like, he's not answering his phone. I we? was so scared. <laughs> we thought, right, he's gone. Yeah. He's been bought. Yeah. He's, been sold, bought. <laughs> he's been bought and sold in the time that this has transpired. Yeah, that trip was, was so trip. funny. Me and him stayed in the same hotel room and we paid for laundry. <laughs> I was like, he was like, oi, there's a laundry service. I was like, all right, sweet. Yeah, I've got some pants and socks. <laughs> I gave him like three pairs of socks, a couple of t-shirts and some pants. And he checked out before me. So yeah. I've gone down to reception on the way out and they've gone, oh, sir, there's a bill for laundry. And I was like, tight fucker's not paid it. £100. £100 to iron my socks. Bastards. I know, yeah, that was a funny trip. But well, a lot of times to be alive, that was. Yeah, not good to not... run a marathon in 38 degrees or whatever. Yeah, fair enough. Well, at least you don't get that in London. And London is, yeah. a, is a race that's worked very well for you over the over the years. Yeah. You mentioned that you want to do an autumn marathon. Is um, You want a quick course, and now we've got other courses coming coming into the fray. We've got like Valencia in December, which is really quick, even like Seville, but in February is a fast course as well. Yeah. Berlin, obviously, that's a major that you haven't done. Yeah. Um, but... Silly question, probably. I really know the answer, but will you return to the streets of London to do a marathon one day again? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Good. Okay. Excellent. I always want to do London marathon. Like, if I can fit it in mm-hmm. and it like works, then I'll always try and do it because I think it's the best one. Like, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. We all do home home marathon. It's it's an absolute banger. What I want to ask you actually is um, because you are one athlete that's done majors and run well at majors and done world championship marathons as well. 
What are the differences, if any, of peaking for a world major compared to, uh, sorry, a world championship marathon compared to just a regular marathon? Are there any differences or any challenges you have to face? Any hoops you have to jump through? Or is I it just would say, standard? yeah, pretty standard. I do the same training if it's a world major or a, okay. a championship marathon. The differences mainly have been the heat. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the world champs are usually in the summer. Well, always in the summer. Yeah. Um, and wherever location it is, it's always hot. So I've done heat training or stuff like that. Right. And when it's a major, they're usually in the autumn or in spring where it's not as hot. Um, so it depends on, say, Boston, I did more hill training. Whereas if I was yeah. running London, I wouldn't run. I wouldn't do hill training. I'd just do normal marathon training. So if I choose a course which is like got something in, which I think I need to train a little bit for, then I'll change it. But apart from that, now same. And in terms of your build up for a marathon now, if you've done it enough times, I'm sure you've got your process like, you could probably reel it <laughs> off day by day in Pretty your head. Much. But um, do you have a specific time frame where it's like, right, that's my 16 week, 12 week block? Do you put a number on it or is it dependent no. on where you're at at that time? Yeah, it depends where I'm at. Okay. And Nick changes it a little bit actually as okay. well. So, um, no marathon have I done exactly the same sessions. Oh, really? Yeah, he's, been, he's changed it up a lot. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, so um, actually when I ran 2.23, I did the shortest build-up I've ever done. Um, only eight weeks before did I start doing like marathon sessions because right. I'd had a few niggles that year. Nick wanted me to get to the start line not injured. Yeah. So he basically modified it so it was really scaled back and I ran the, the best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually felt so fresh. Like every session I was like running really well because I felt fresher. I was doing only one run a day cross training in the afternoons. Wow. And yeah. So now we've kind of, now that I can do a bit more volume more for Boston, mm-hmm. I kind of like did a mix of the two, like not as much volume as I has, have done in the past, but also um, a bit more cross training. Yeah. So, finding that hybrid setup that works best for you, I guess. Yeah. Every marathon has been different so far which is good because it keeps it interesting. Yes, so, for sure. But always like looking to change, like what didn't work that time, what can work this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, plus every time I felt a little bit different, like something, I don't know what it is, but always had something different going. So. And next marathon, obviously an autumn <coughs> that you want to do, you want to run a fast one. Um, we're a long way out, but I'm sure that you're already, knowing you, you're already like, thinking and planning and yeah. <laughs> getting the brain ready and to prepare yourself to send it. Um, what do you think you're capable of? I think I can definitely run faster than 2.23 because yeah. a couple of things, like I said, in London, the build-up was eight weeks and it was really scaled back. Yeah, that is so short. I know. If I look back now, honestly, like eight weeks before, I wasn't. I was doing 10K threshold on a Friday and yeah. like eight by K on a Tuesday. Yeah. And I hadn't even gone over two hours for like months. I was literally like really not marathon training at all um so that and also the second half of that London marathon like the last 12k I ran completely alone so I think like if I did a mixed yeah, marathon that, yeah. I feel like I could I could definitely run faster than 223 I can say that Good. but I don't know I don't want to say like no, a time because okay, I have that. literally no idea like I didn't actually think I was going to run 223 that year what was like, you aiming for when you went into that race? Did you, what was the time goal that day? So initially when we first said I was going to do London, Nick just wanted me to run 2.27 and like get around. What? Yeah. This was like... Oh, yeah, of course, because short build up. Yeah. Well, yeah. this was like in June time when I'd committed to run London. Okay. He was like, 2.27, just get round. Um, does he know Does he know you at all? Exactly. <laughs> well, he 
just wanted me to do one because it had been obviously since 2019 that I hadn't run a marathon because I'd got niggles and then missed the Olympics. He just wanted me to have a good race, like yeah. get, show that I'm still like out there running. He was <laughs> like, 227 would be a good result, get round and then we'll look for a faster one later in the year. But as the training progressed, I was like crushing these sessions and he was like, what kind of like what's going on? And I was like, I think I can run like 224. And he was like, yeah, I think you can run. But he was never like telling me you know you can run this time mm. um and it was in the meeting the day before the race when i found out Ailish was pacing me and she was like what time do you want to run through halfway and i was like i want to run 71 30 through halfway and nick was like no you're not running 71 30 through halfway it's like way too fast he was like 71 50 and Ailish was like okay 71 50 and i was like Ailish 71 30 oh, and uh, no, nick was like yeah if you go that fast you'll just die in the second half you'll be by yourself and you'll just die and i was like no i think i feel really good Anyway, so then we agreed on 71.45 through halfway. I okay. went through halfway like 71.44. Nice. Um, so pretty spot on from Ailish with the pacing. And then I had another pacer till um, like 28k, um, an African lady. And then she dropped out and then I was like alone. And then I didn't look at my watch and I just ran. Yeah, chosen. I remember watching the, the, the tracking and I was managing, I was, I was, um, <laughs> looking at the gaps yeah I was, like, oh. I was checking Clarky. I was like oh she's catching this one she's catching I didn't catch one. anyone I just ran like completely alone yeah that's the whole time good. but it was good yeah I just felt good and I just ran good yeah absolutely <laughs> like, you, you smashed it like smashed I just it. had a good day yeah um, absolutely I'm looking forward to the next one as well thanks. So, for sure. so we're going to end with uh, quick fire questions yeah uh, we've got five in total don't think about it just okay. give me the first thing that comes into oh, your mind no. who's the most famous person you find most it's what? Your most famous phone contact. Oh, phone contact. Uh, Kelly Holmes. <sighs> That's unreal. <laughs> well, she used to, like, mentor me, like, oh, back okay. in the... I was on, on the On Camp with Kelly. Oh, the On Camp with Kelly and yeah. back in the day. Yeah, Back in the day, wicked. so, yeah. I thought you was going to say Mo Farah. I don't have his number. Well, Adam does. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad you didn't say Mo Farah because we've had that already. And I was have like, you? everyone's got his number right here. Who's got his number? Jarrah. Oh. He's like, Mo Farah. Adam texted me yesterday <laughs> to ask if he wanted to train this morning. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't have a number. So, Kelly Holmes, that's a good answer. I yeah. like that. If you had a magic wand, what's one thing you'd change in athletics? Or just running as a whole? Ooh, I don't know. Um, I would say... Less drug cheats. Yes, love that. <laughs> I mean, good it's just hard. Like, yeah. there's a lot of... Especially now, like, every week I feel like someone's getting... Someone's getting popped every week, aren't they? So yeah, just something needs to happen about that. It's a bit, it's annoying. Fingers crossed something changes. What's the best thing about being a professional athlete? Uh, I like traveling. So going to like fun places to train or to race, like it's fun. And the worst thing? Injuries. <laughs> Thought that was going to be it. And last question, Charlotte. What's a harsh truth that the running world needs to hear? That running never gets easier. As in like... A lot of, especially obviously because we coach um, athletes, mm. a lot of people think that when you're a professional athlete, like every run is easy and like it's not. Like even like going for a threshold run when you're fit, it's not easy because you're always trying to run faster yeah. and like you have days where you you feel terrible. But like I, think, I, I feel like general people who don't run very much or don't run, they think that we find it easy Super and it's human. like, yeah, it's not easy. Like... I asked, I asked Elliot Kipchoge that question. I said, I said, do you, uh, off camera, I said, do you ever feel shit on a run? <laughs> I 
like, 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 what a loser. But I actually, that was my question. And he, and he just laughed and he went, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, like, I totally, I look at athletes like yourself and athletes on that level and I'm like, do you ever, do you ever feel shit? And obviously, yeah, they do. Yeah. Which, is, which is welcoming to hear. Yeah, it's I mean? like, but or people just in the gym, like you'll be running on the treadmill, and they're like, "Oh, did you find that easy?" I'm like, "No, like no, no <laughs> run is really like." There's rare days where, like I said, London Marathon, I felt good, mm. but like still didn't feel easy. Yeah, like it was hard the whole way, but yeah. So running is not easy. <laughs> Love that, and what a great way to end, Charlotte. It's been a pleasure. Thank you once again for having me in your home. Thanks. We'll do an MTV Cribs episode <laughs> next time. Yeah. Um, but best of luck for your preparations for your autumn marathon. And Thanks. I can't wait to uh, be tracking you once again, messaging Clark on the <laughs> roadside. Thanks very much. Smash it. Good luck, Charlotte. Thanks.